This is Lawn Wit, Episode 12, Creating Space for Creativity with Miranda Anderson. Welcome to Law and Wit, Creative Counsel for Entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Brittany Rattel, mother of four, entrepreneur, naptime lawyer, and attorney for creative entrepreneurs. I'm here to share inspiration and action so that you can tackle your business blocks and confidently own your business in every sense of the word. Thank you so much for being here. Okay, in full disclosure, I know it's super cliche that before every interview, a host will say, I'm so excited for this interview. Like, what are you going to say at this point? Hey, we got a real downer in, in, in front of us, but I really just hope you push through and dedicate the next, you know, 35 minutes of your life. Um, but in all honesty, this is a great episode. So I'm just going to jump in and give us a brief framing and then let it rip. Miranda's going to be talking all about how she has created space in her life for creativity and really created um, space to have an intentional lifestyle with creativity. And that spans all the way from the way that she creates content for herself, for other people, and the way that she's become kind of a functional minimalist and the minimalism experiment that she delved into with her family the last year, which is a really cool thought um, as someone who's a mom of three and a crafter and a maker about how she's managed to balance those interests and those loves of her, but also um, found ways to be more thoughtful about her consumption. Um, And I I think it's especially meaningful as someone who is in the industry of still selling products and does that as part of her blog and her business. Um, And yet she has this great perspective on what things should mean to us and how we should bring them into our life and what we should be thinking about when we bring them into our life. Um, Miranda also talks uh, with me about being authentic and that buzzword, you know, authentic and intentional. And what does it really mean? And what does that mean to her? Um, And I love that she has really walked the walk in terms of balancing the needs of the community um, and what and creating beautiful content, but also being true to yourself and your value system and eternally asking yourself the why. Why are you creating content? What is your purpose? How is it adding value to others? And how is what you're reading and consuming adding value to herself? So all of it really useful exercises. If you want the freebie upgrade for this episode, you're going to find it at brittanyrattel.com slash 12 as in episode 12. And that's where you'll get the quotes and some of the practices that Miranda recommends. So head to that after the episode um, if you're in a place where you can't take notes. And I think that's really going to help you um, take some of these lessons on the road with you. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. I am so excited to introduce our guest today, um, Miranda. And Miranda is a maker, adventurer, creative mama, and the blogger behind Live Free Creative Company. She shares design ideas and inspiration to live a simple life with less stuff and more adventure, as well as DIY projects to inspire creativity. Her sweet husband and her three wild kiddos fill up her life with joy and continue to teach her about setting goals, making priorities, and believing that the small moments and successes mean just as much as the big ones. So um, welcome, Miranda. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Yeah, us, us as well. And Miranda is joining us from Virginia, where she's living now. Um, and what I love about Miranda is that she not only has kind of lived in a couple of different places and, you know, been really um, easygoing in terms of rolling with the punches, but her kind of creative journey has had um, lots of different twists and turns, which I think is really cool in terms of how you start in one place and find something that you love and that you connect with, and then that morphs into something else. So I wanted to kind of start with a little bit of her creative origin story about um, how she kind of established her brand as she knows it now. Yeah, thank you. You know, it's so funny. My, um, I am not one of those 
people who started out with the idea that I was going to be a businesswoman, I was going to be a blogger, I was going to run this thing, and I, you know, it, um, the whole thing, my whole business as it exists today, ha, you know, I, I would have had no idea what was what I was getting into. I, I went to school to be a nurse. I'm an RN. Um, and I just envisioned that I would be a nurse working nights as I raised my children. You know, I don't know what I thought. Um, actually, in the middle of nursing school, I decided that I actually didn't love nursing very much. Um, I didn't like wearing scrubs. I didn't like blood. I fainted a couple times. And I was like, I don't think this is for me. <laughs> not sure this is um, my calling. Yeah. Not quite sure. Yeah. So I actually, um, I did go into um, to nursing education. I did diabetes education. And that was um, back in 2008. And blogs were just sort of popping up as a, as this kind of new social media thing. And so um, my husband actually began our blog. We were living abroad for a summer. He started it and said, here's a way that we can keep in touch with friends and family without, um, you know, I don't even know. We had cell phones, but they definitely weren't smartphones. Like I, I don't even, that feels like so long ago, right? That's 10 years ago. And um, so we started writing. I started writing on the blog to share with friends and family. And, you know, those next few years, if any of you blogged or remember those days, um, everyone had a blog and there was like a blog roll and you'd go check in with your friends every couple of days and see like what people were up to. And Facebook was not a thing. Instagram was not a thing. And blogs were the way that was like the beginning of social media. And so we were all keeping up with each other in this new way. And I really loved it. I always have loved to write. Um, I've always loved to take pictures. Uh, so sharing in that format felt really natural to me. And after a couple years of kind of just, you know, sharing what I was up to um, and some of my creative projects, I also, you know, as a child, I was a creative person, a maker. I learned to sew when I was eight years old. Um, I have always loved to make things with my hands and experiment. And so I, I was doing those things and sharing about those in just the context of the story of my life as I was kind of journaling, you know, um, for all my friends and family. And I started to notice that people were blogging really intentionally and they were sharing things, um, not just for friends and family, but like for people they didn't know on the internet, you know, this was like this new thing. Like there were people who didn't know and, um, and at that point, it still didn't look like a career, but I, um, I started to share kind of lean. I was still sharing a lot of, you know, personal stories and highlights, but I started to lean into the creative stuff as something that people would find value in who didn't know me, who maybe aren't interested in my kids in our weekend adventure, but that they could find, um, that they could follow a tutorial or that they could get some inspiration because of this, you know, um, apron that I made and how I made it. So there be, I started to have a little bit more intention behind it. And I was still working as a nurse and, um, you know, having and raising children. And um, sewing sort of started to kind of become a side gig for me. I had always known how to sew. I had always liked sewing. Um, with the, I think Etsy coming onto the scene really helped that too. Because um, actually, here's a funny kind of side story in the middle of this Um this is really clear memory. I don't remember what year it was, but I had, we were in, my husband was in school and um, we were on a student budget and I had gone shopping and bought a pair of shoes that I really liked, but they were a little bit more expensive than like I felt comfortable with, but I really loved them. So I was like, okay, well, I don't worry about it because I am going to make some extra money to pay for them with a sewing project. And I had seen Etsy had just released this thing where you could um, 
you could like pitch ideas or people, people would ask for ideas and you could submit to make them, you know? So, so I remember someone asked, they needed a ballet bag, like a ballet bag for their daughter. And so I drew a sketch of a, of a ballet bag and I sent it off through Etsy and I was chosen and it was going to be like $30 for me to make this bag and send it to this lady. And I was like, sure. So I, um, so I solicited a couple like custom sewing ventures that way through Etsy. It was called treasury. It doesn't even exist anymore on Etsy. Um, and made a little bit of money and, there was this little inkling of, oh, maybe in addition to what I'm doing as a nurse, I could have a you know creative hobby, money make year, you know, on the side. Um, through making things and selling them and then sharing about them, I started to acquire more and more custom sewing um, orders. And so there were a couple years in there where I was doing a lot of custom sewing, um, especially at Halloween time. I made, you know, one year I made like 30 or 40 custom costumes and sent them off. And this hobby blog had started somehow morphed into a custom sewing business. And my blog was how I was acquiring customers. I wasn't making any money blogging. I was making all of my money sewing and sending those orders, but, um, it was all tied together. And, um, and somewhere in there, I decided to, because my blog was kind of this outlet or this, I guess, input for business for my custom sewing, I started to take note of some blogging conferences that were happening um, in the country. Alt Summit was the one that I kind of set my sights on because I knew a few people who were going. It was in Utah, which is where I was from, even though we were at the time living in the D.C. area. And but it was a lot of money. I mean, it was like $400 for a ticket. This is in 2012. And I, um, I did, I mean, that was a lot of custom sewing for me to make $400. And I did, and we were still, that's fitted. a lot of, that's a lot of ballet bags. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of ballet bags. And I thought, well, if I am going to do this, I better take myself seriously. And so I remember in 2011, seeing the tickets go on sale and deciding next year, I'm going to buy a ticket. They would sell out in like five minutes or something back then. I think they still sell out pretty quickly, but um, it was two hours this year, <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's still, it's still, they're still, they're still hot commodity. So, but I decided I'm going to save up this year. I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to go to that blogging conference with some sort of an idea of what I want to do. And, um, and I'm going to invest in this as a business. And I think that was a big mindset shift for me. And it was like kind of an overnight shift, but it was a whole year that I spent blogging at that time I was blogging daily and that blows me away. Now I was, I was writing five blog posts a week working and raising my babies while my husband was in school. And I'm like, I, I just, that's so much more hustle than I have now. Like it was a much just, that's, that's just, that's just an insane schedule. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Like nap time. I didn't, you know, and I, a lot of the blogging I was doing was, um, was DIY posts and those take so much time and you know, it was just crazy. But Anyway, so fast forward, I buy the ticket, I go to Alt Summit, and I start to see people, like, see blogging itself as a business, that people are making money on their blogs through sidebar ads, through inline sponsorships, and that blogging could be a career. And um, I was nowhere near that, having it be my career, but it, it started this idea that it could be. And funny enough, I am um, that blog conference, that very first one in 2012 really impacted me in a lot of ways, personally, as well as professionally. And I went home and told my husband, 
I think blogging is so fun. It's been a great thing for me. Um, there's so much potential. And I'm going to stop blogging for this next year because I want to have another baby. <laughs> so uh, he was like, what? What are you talking about? You just spent all this money to go to this conference. And, you know, and, um, and again, it's like some un just unexpected sort of twist. Um, but it had given me some, I think I had started to ask myself the question, what do I want? Instead of doing um, the things that came in line, you know, like, this thing follows this thing. I start selling these things and then people are finding me through the blog. So I have to keep blogging about what they're finding me for. And then I keep taking orders and then I'm sewing orders. And you know, kind of, we create these like cycles almost for ourselves that are hard to break out of. And these routines that then it's easier to just do what we're doing than it is to make a change. And um, what Alt Summit had done for me at that point was allow me the um, perspective to know that I was still in control of my own life and I could choose and because I think it was easier too, because my blog wasn't making any revenue. It wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't my business. My business was sewing. My blog was just a gained business. And so it was, it was not like I was walking away from this big, you know, wasn't paying your mortgage yet, you know, yeah. like it is for some people where, yeah, it, that's, that's a lot yeah. To, to, yeah, to give up. Um, and so I decided to put the blog on hold and I didn't know if or when I would come back to it, but I, um, but I, we, I got pregnant. We, um, at the same time, that same year, uh, my husband took a new job across the country in Texas. So we moved from DC to Texas. So it was a good thing that I had kind of, um, backed up some of my responsibilities. I had space in my life to move. We built a house in Texas. I had the baby, all of these things happened. Um, I was still at this time working, um, PRN as a nurse and, um, and I blog, my blog, I, I posted just a couple times that year, you know, as partnerships with friends and stuff like that. And then my daughter was born. And, um, and I told my husband when my daughter was born, when she was about five months old, actually, I said, I think that I um, am going to try to just not work. Like, I, I'm not really fulfilled by the nursing gig right now um, or ever, actually. I mean, I didn't love it, you know. Um, and so I thought, I'm just going to quit my nursing job. I have three kids. He had a good job. Um, we were finished with school at that point. And so I thought I'm going to take a step back. And that lasted for like four months, I think. And then I just said, I just, I don't, I don't want to, uh, you know, it's not that like motherhood wasn't enough because it's more than enough. Um, it was that I wasn't being fulfilled in all of the ways that I need in order to feel happy in my everyday life. And I noticed this deficit of creativity. I noticed a deficit of productivity. I noticed a deficit of emotional and, um, and, uh, emotional stimulation as I'm thinking about, you know, new ideas and projects. And, and so I said, I am going to, um, I'm going to start blogging again, uh, but not as a hobby you know, I know that blogging can be a career. I know that people can make money from it. I know that it can be um, a really cool, creative job. And so I want to do it that way. So I, so I, so I jumped back into blogging with the new idea that I, I, I had stopped taking sewing orders um, when we moved. And, and so blogging was going to be my gig. Um, and that was in 2013, I guess. So I took off that year, 2000, the beginning of 2014, maybe. So now it's been four years with um, blogging. I would like my primary income and my primary business is from blogging. And um, 
most bloggers would tell you that it's not just like a single line income. Like what that looks like is content creation for myself with sponsorships of who I work with. It's also content creation for other blogs I write um, and, and style photographs for other people and other blogs. Um, I teach craft and sewing workshops. And um, again, I acquire my students through social media and through my blog. But um, those classes take place, obviously, in, in real life somewhere. I'm doing some, um, some upcoming in Austin, actually, next week that I'm excited about. So, um, so there's lots of different, even within like the umbrella of blogging, there's lots of different venues of where I'm actually making an income. Um, and what my blog has been about has kind of morphed and changed over time, too. Um, it went from a lot of personal sort of just journaling through a lot, a lot of creativity and DIYs. And then in the last couple of years has sort of stepped out of being so DIY heavy um, into more of a, what I call it a creative lifestyle blog. I'm sharing about intentional living. I'm sharing about design and DIY. And I guess it is like a lot of lifestyle, but with, I, I maybe share it um, in a less intimate way. So I'm trying to, I ask myself the question when I'm writing a blog post, what value will this add to my readers, people who know me, who don't know me, people who followed me for a long time, or, or this is the first blog post that they land on, what value this uh, message going to give them in their lives. And that, um, that allows me to kind of take out what might just be like anecdotal and add things that will actually benefit people, which is my, my hope with the message I share. Right. Have Right. Have a little yeah, bit more exactly. meat to them, you know, substance. So when I like you, you I mean, you mentioned that was one of your first questions that you asked yourself back in the, you know, the blog spot days of right. what value is this bringing to others? And, um, you know, it comes back to so much of value. I mean, it reminds me a lot of your your interview that you did on um, Alison Faulkner's Her Brand School Boss Babes, which I know was a favorite from a lot of people. Um, and you talked a lot about bringing value and being asking those kind of tough questions of yourself and what is your brand really about as, as a blogger, as an influencer, as a content creator. And, um, when you approach someone, which can be scary and you've, I'm sure seen that as your career has, you know, gone in highs. And I'm sure when you got back into the game, like those first few emails, yeah. what was it like yeah. to try to pitch someone? Totally. And, They're like, I yeah. have to really dig deep here to figure out what you're going to get out of this partnership, but I promise it'll be good. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but being, you know, creative and um, thinking, you know, I know I have something, everyone has something, but um, yeah, I, I, I have to, you know, wrap my mind around what I can offer. Totally. And I think that um, in the modern um, game of social media and blogging, if I can call it a game, um, the, the tendency is to expect that what we can see is what adds value. So like, how many followers you have, um, how many subscribers you have, what your engagement is like, what your, um, you know, all of those like really visible things that everyone can see easily, things you would put on your media kit, for example. Um, yeah, your, your the analytics. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it would really was has been helpful. It was helpful for me a few years ago, and it's still helpful for me now to ask myself, what do I bring to the table that isn't um, – objective, you know, what is what is outside or in between those numbers and those metrics that is important. And, uh, and I think that that's allowed me to feel confident 
contacting people with ideas um, because maybe what I have is an idea. And maybe that idea is um, creative and interesting enough that a company will want to work with me to use that idea to tell a story. And they have the numbers, they have the metric, they have, you know, a billion fans, but I have an idea. And an idea can be really powerful. Yeah. I mean, one good idea. I mean, if you think about it in relation, like what does it cost to hire someone and to pay them and pay their health care and train them and put them up in an office? And then you hope that you get good ideas out of it, but sometimes not. Sometimes, you know, it's a gamble for every time a company hires someone. Um, and for you to offer your one good idea with really none of those other strings attached just as a package and ask for compensation, which is assuredly going to be less than all of that. I mean, that's a good deal. For a company, right. For a brand. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And I think they recognize that more and more. And are I mean, I think that's why blogging is still growing as a profession. People are becoming bloggers today. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't think it's over, and I don't think it's going away. And I actually, and um, there was a article that I read recently that said that um, the expectation or the forecast was that more personal, um, you know, day-to-day lifestyle blogging is going to make a comeback. I, th- I think the last few years people have been saying, no, people are really only finding things on Pinterest or people really only interested in um, the very like impersonal five tips to blah, blah, blah. And, um, and people are craving connection. I think we've gotten so hyper-connected that we feel totally disconnected. Does that make sense? And so people are craving wanting to know real people and wanting to um, have, you know, uh, wanting to, to, to hear about the story of what happened at the grocery store yesterday, you know, not only, you know, the five ways to choose healthy vegetables when you're shopping at Trader Joe's or whatever, you know, so, um, adding some personal back in there, it was interesting to see that forecast, um, as something that will likely make a comeback. Um, you know, we've tried to pull ourselves so much out of it. It's interesting to think of the idea of putting ourselves back in it with a little bit more heart and a little bit more, um, more intimacy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I think you could see that how the pendulum has maybe swung too much in one direction and there's, you know, likely to be a correct, a correction, you know, in the market right. and in, in the way that people connect with each other in their content. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, you touched on it a little bit, um, but I love, you know, um, kind of in your story, about a time, you know, and I kind of asked, is there a time when you got stuck in your business um, and kind of how you moved forward? Um, is there, I mean, other than the fact that you knew for you that you needed to pull back for that year and to, to raise your baby and to kind of switch um, directions, once you kind of were back in the game and were like, okay, I'm putting my business girl hat on, like, we're, we're going to do this and make it real, um, did, did you have any challenges? What, what was hard about starting that journey? Yeah, so I... Um... I laughed when I, I saw that question um, and thought, I feel like I'm kind of always a little bit stuck. <laughs> Is that weird? I'm like, it's not easy. It's, it's always hard. I mean, um, actually, uh, yesterday or the day before yesterday, uh, I, I have a mastermind group that I'm part of. And actually, that's one of the solutions. Um, having some people who understand what you're going through and can, whether or not, you know, they've gone through something exactly the same or not, but just having kind of a group of peers to discuss issues with. I got on my mastermind group and said, I just don't know if anything that I'm doing feels worthwhile. You know, should I just do something else? Like, am I not good at this? You know, and I was just having one of those days of self-doubt and of um, concern. I think that it it stemmed a little bit from not having a really regular schedule the last few months and um, 
and not feeling like I was accomplishing as much as I hoped for, my expectations for myself not being met. Um, and all it took was, I mean, reaching out and talking about it, that always helps me because it helps me um, verbalize the actual core of the problem and what my concerns are so then I can start to like mentally resolve them. Um, it helps me to sit down and actually do some real work. I think I spend a lot of time thinking about working. I spend a lot of time stewing about working and like planning on working and getting ready to work. And, and reading and reading working and listening to other people's ideas about working. Yeah, yeah. No, I, totally. I, get it. I know. I know a girl who has those same problems. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> just seriously, just sitting down. I, I talked to my friends in the parking lot of Starbucks. I said, I have two hours. I'm just going to go down and pound something out. I sat down at Starbucks where I had no distractions. I couldn't do the laundry. I couldn't, you know, pet the dog. I just like sat down. I spent two hours just totally focused on creating some content that I had been working on and, um, doing the work helps so much. Um, it also has helped me a lot when I feel stuck. You know, I, I look back on um, the last few years and some of the time, so I'm very experimental. I'm a little bit reckless. I, um, just by nature have, um, probably more confidence than, uh, is good for me because I have no problem just like trying things. Like I'm just going to go for it and just see how it goes. And sometimes I don't think through it all the way and I just try, you know? So I've, I mean, I've, I've done it with lots of different ventures. Um, and, um, and I think that sometimes when I feel stuck is when one of those things that I'm trying, like a passion project or a new venture isn't working. And I don't know if it's not working because it, it doesn't work or if it's not working because I should try harder. And, um, when I feel that way, I have to, um, allow myself to think about what happens if I work harder, how does that feel? And I just imagine this, like, how does it feel if I work harder and I spend a lot more time and energy on it? And then conversely, how does it feel if I stop? How does it feel if I just say, you know what, this isn't working and I cut my losses and most of the time for me, in my experience, the solution has been cut your losses. If it's not working, it's not working. You can kind of feel the flow. I think in the situations when it is like, for example, a couple of days ago when I'm like, should I just stop blogging? I just don't know if it's even worth it. Um, I sit down and I work really hard at it for a couple hours and I come out feeling like, yes, I want to do this. I'm, I'm good at it. It's worthwhile. Um, I'm making a difference. And so then the solution is not to stop. The solution is that it feels good to work hard. Mm -hmm. um, in other the work energizes you. you know? The work energizes, yeah. And then, um, and then in other situations, for example, I have had a couple, multiple shops um, with actual products and um, have sort of systematically closed each one. And the, um, in last year, I guess the end of 2015, I, I don't know. Anyway, my years are off, but over a year ago, I had been running this shop for like four years. It was um, these really cool t-shirts that I had designed and kind of stumbled into. I designed them, people wanted them, so I was making them and selling them, and then I, I couldn't keep up with the demand, so I was manufacturing them and selling them. And um, it was like going fine, but it was taking a lot of time and a lot of energy, and I was like, I just don't know. And when I thought to myself, maybe I should stop, maybe I should close this shop, I felt immediately relieved and better. And so I closed that shop and what did I do? I went ahead and opened a new one where I was hand making things 
And I really love to make things and I love to share those with people. And um, I, I get a lot of requests for people when I make something, they say, oh my gosh, you should sell that. Um, and so then sometimes I do. And um, just, uh, just this last Christmas, I finished out the holiday season with my handmade shop called Live Free Creative Company. It's in conjunction with my blog. And I felt like, I think that I'm spending so much more time and energy on that than the return on investment that it brings. And, um, and stopping makes me feel unstuck. I feel stuck and stopping, closing the shop and not doing that piece anymore for a while. I'm sure it will come back in some iteration sometime. But for now, being able to have the courage to say this isn't working exactly the way that I want it to. And, um, and that's okay. And that doesn't mean that, you know, I suck at making things or no one wants to buy my, you know, like, cause they, they do and they did. And I mean, like it was going okay. It just, I was, it was just taking way more energy than it needed. Um, then I wanted to spend on it. Um, I have finite energy resources time and, um, and it was the right thing to say, to say, maybe this isn't what I should be doing. Maybe I need to focus my energy elsewhere. And yeah, that's, and just create that space, you know, yeah. in your head, in your heart, your workshop, in your life for things. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, which, I mean, the things, and I, maybe that's a good segue, you know, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about your minimalism experiment for people who might not be um, readers of your blog. You've talked a lot about it. I know people have been super curious, but you've been playing around with that, you know, being, I love you're talking about being a realist minimalist because we all know, you know, and we joked about it, those minimalists, you know, the Netflix documentary and, yeah. the, you know, single guys and with their little backpack, like that sounds great, but like, where are the snacks for your kids? And yeah, exactly. <laughs> those crazy people living in like, you know, a shed in the wilderness, you know, that's not um, realistic for me. That's great for them. It's really cool, but it's not realistic for me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that the theme of my last several years of my life has been, like you said, making space, creating space for things that matter more. And, um, that's taken so many different forms. And, and I realized, um, as I got ready to take a real big plunge into minimalism, I was able to reflect and see in little ways how it's influenced, you know, how the ideas of minimalism have influenced my life. I like less decisions. I shop mostly at Trader Joe's because it, I can wrap my head around all the, you know, I know exactly what's there. There's only one type of ketchup. That's the one I want and I get it and I don't have to think about it and I don't want to, you know, it, it overwhelms me. Dave used to laugh when we were first married and we had a bunch of like gift cards to Bed Bath & Beyond which is a wonderful store, but I walk in there and I get so overwhelmed. I can't even function anymore. He'd say, we're here for a blender. Let's go to the blenders. And I'm like, but look at the pillows, honey. And look at the, you know, like there's so much to see. I just want to look at all of it and think about all of it. And, um, I do much yeah, better. Did you know that they have a special tool for avocados? Yeah. I don't, I don't think exactly. we have that tool. And we probably <laughs> need it because we like avocados and what other special tools might I need? And, you know, like I just, right. yeah, I get very easily distracted. And so, um, so it has, it, I've noticed the uh, benefit for me is to, is to not have unnecessary decisions in my life, to not go to places that overwhelm with options, more options than I need, and to not consider things that are, are not part of, you know, what I actually care about. And um, so before, so anyway, we all leading up to all of these things, I've always loved to purge. I've not, I'm not a pack rat. I like to organize things. We've moved a lot of times. I think we're on our 10th or 11th move in 11 years. And, um, and so I've had ample opportunity to go through all of the things that I own 
and decide what I really want to keep. And that, you know, even just that practice is really clarifying. Um, but and come, Mari, you know, the, the, the shiz out of all of it. Just, yeah, really, you just, know, just, all the what things. What do I love? This doesn't spark joy. Get it out of here. Um, yeah. So at the beginning of last year, we, um, we decided, I just had this thought again, this kind of reckless thought of like, hey, you know what we should do? We have more than enough stuff. We have, you know, everything that we could possibly need and probably everything that we could possibly need for like a whole year. So let's not buy anything that's not a consumable item for a year. Let's just put the kibosh on all of the shopping and all of the, um, you know, just buy groceries, buy toilet paper, buy printer ink, the things that we readily use up to full consumption. And um, I had already been using a capsule wardrobe, so I thought I've got plenty of clothes for, you know, forever. Um, my kids do grow, but we lived at the time when we decided to do this, we lived in Texas where all the seasons are some, you know, like it's very mild winters. And, um, I thought they don't grow that much. So, you know, if they grow out of something, I'll replace it with a like item, but I'm not going to just buy them clothes and shoes for, for, you know, for whatever. And, um, we don't need any more toys. We definitely don't need any more books. We don't need any more, you know, furniture. And so we just decided that the things we had were enough and we spent a year, and it was an experiment and an imperfect experiment. And I'm the first one to say that like, yeah, there were a few things that we bought, um, along the way, especially because we had a, an unexpected move in the middle of the year. And then we did need some things and we got rid of way more than we, um, than we, you know, bought. But, um, it was just this whole experience of feeling grateful for the things that we already had, recognizing this huge amount of abundance that exists in our regular life realizing just very acutely how much time, energy, and money is spent on shopping, on consumption in a regular life. And even for someone like me that I don't love to shop and I didn't, I don't, you know, I wasn't like a shopaholic. So this actually wasn't that difficult of an experiment for us to undertake. Um, it was amazing to be able to walk into Costco and know that I needed, you know, the rosemary olive oil bread, and then I needed some, you know, ton of toilet paper, and get those things and leave. And I, you know, all of the things that I pass as I walk to the back of the store, I didn't even think about it or consider it because I wasn't buying anything. Um, so that um, in turn allowed us to spend that time and energy and money on things that I felt like mattered more. And that's where the less stuff, more adventure kind of tagline that I have created this last year um, comes in that when we choose less time in target, that's more time that we get to spend at the park with the kids. When we choose less money on clothes, that's more money that we might get to spend going on a weekend adventure. Um, when we choose less time scrolling through, um, through social media, that's more time that we might be able to stroll through our favorite museum. And, um, and I think what we hope is that we can fill our lives with things that, um, that are meaningful. I mean, I think that's what everyone hopes, right? We want to feel grateful. We want to feel happy. We want our lives to be filled with abundance of the things that matter the most to us. And, um, oftentimes we simply take what we're given, what, um, messaging is handed us, what displays are, front and center in the stores. And we forget that we get to choose. We forget that, you know, we're, that we're in control, that we're free 
to be able to make these types of decisions. And so um, freeing up some space and creating some, um, some, yeah, I guess space is the, is the way to, to talk about it um, for other things and for more choices uh, has been really, really interesting and, and really hugely shifted the culture of our family um, in a positive direction. Awesome. And I loved following your reflections on this and how honest have you been about the times when, yeah, you had to change your plans or how, especially with an unexpected move and, you know, surprise, we have seasons again. So kids need winter clothes yeah. and it's freezing in Virginia. <laughs> yes. Um, and, you know, things come along, but just, you know, the, the general attitude of being playful and experimental in terms, you know, what, what would change about us and what would become different if we had, um, if we just changed our attitude and pivoted a little bit and how we approach stuff and the accumulation of stuff. Um, so my, you know, as I've heard you talk Talk about this questions that have always come up in my mind is how did you do this in terms of that you still like to create stuff because for me I you know I I'm in love with the idea of getting rid of my stuff until I go into my craft room and I'm like well but not these things these things are all holy relics of my crafting and I could never let them go so how did you how did you approach that yeah right so um I think that there's two parts to that because um I was actually just writing about this and, and it made me kind of internalize it more that, um, creativity and crafting are different things. And so, um, I'm very much a crafter and it sounds like you are too. And so crafters have usually have closets or rooms and bins and baskets and bolts of things, um, to aid, you know, supplies for, for this hobby. Um, and that's a creative hobby. And so, yes, as far as like craft supplies, um, I, I mean, I have more than enough craft supplies and that's something that I chose not to add to last year. And I still have more than enough craft supplies. And actually, um, because of our move, all of that stuff went into, so in, in Texas, I had a room that we called the studio that was my crafting room, um, and sewing room. And that's where all the things lived. And then we moved. And as part of our move and part of this minimalist experiment, we decided to downsize from our 2,500 square foot ranch style home in Texas to a thousand square foot, um, little tiny box of a, of a Cape Cod, um, in Richmond temporarily. It's a rental home while we look for, uh, for, for a home to live in, in the area. And, um, it's two bedrooms and one bathroom. And I knew that that, you know, my supplies fill up a room. They wouldn't fit. And so, um, it was a good time to look for a, for a studio outside of the house. And so it was actually a good push for me to find a space, create a space, um, talking about creating space, to create a space for my crafting. And, um, and so I actually found a studio. Uh, it's like a co-working studio where I have, I rent it, you know, I lease a space that is um, where it's a home for all of my craft supplies and my sewing machines. And that's where those things live. And um it's been interesting too, though, because I think all of that stuff was in boxes for six months while we moved and, you know, we're in transit. And then when I finally started to unpack, some of them I've outgrown as far as, um, you know, that's not the type of crafting that I love to do anymore. It's not the um, type of fabric that I would choose today. And so coming at it with a fresh set of eyes and with this idea of what do I really love, what's going to add value has helped me to slim down, not totally eliminate, but slim down. So I, I know that even the craft supplies that I choose are the ones that I really love and that aren't just taking up space for no reason, but they're the things that I really like. And then being able to donate those other ones to, um, you know, 
people in places that, that need them more um, has been really great. Um, the second point I wanted to share about that is that I feel like minimalism, by virtue of what it is, of, of is creative. Min- like a, a more minimalist lifestyle means that you have less things, but you still need to do all the things you want to do. And so I feel like I have definitely been able to live more creatively as I've had to figure out how to use what I have in multiple ways, even with outfits. How do I, you know, make 10 different outfits out of, um, out of these certain clothes? Or how do I decorate a room using only the items that I already have? How do I rearrange my furniture and have it feel new again, because I'm choosing to not buy new things. And that it's been, a, I, I actually feel like I've been fulfilled a lot creatively without as much crafting as I used to do. Um, because I feel like every day is a little bit of a creative adventure as a, you know, and as a functional minimalist or practical minimalist, because I'm thinking about how to make things work rather than just getting the thing, getting the avocado tool. What do I already have that can, you know, that can be used in, in a, in the way that it will work. So, um, there's something really wonderful about being exercising creativity in multiple ways. Um, and yeah, I definitely still have a bunch of craft supplies. <laughs> well, that that's good to hear that you are you are still human in that regards. But yeah. but I, I really like that thought in terms of being intentionally putting yourself in a place where you have to exercise more creativity because um, you're not going to buy the exact same you know one exact thing that solves one problem. You know, you're looking at right. what do you have in terms of solving a myriad of problems and how can you re you know change up your furniture and I mean I remember growing up my mom always used to always used to rearrange furniture and I'd be like what is she doing and I get it now that I'm a mom and you know you 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 get you know a new little hit a little dopamine hit and it freshens up your space Uh when you have the chance to move things around and sometimes you know people talk about shopping your own house you know go go a rock around and and see what you have um to put it in different spots so I I really like again the thought of that by having less stuff and purposely limiting yourself, you are actually making yourself be more creative and putting more energy and space into that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, it is a, it's a creative intentional lifestyle mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Well, you're, you're living it. You're, you know, a lot of people that, that sounds like a cute tagline, but you actually are, are walking the walk there and you're, and your cute vest that I know you've torn the sleeves off because you say you like <laughs> used to be a jacket now it's a vest and I wear it like every third day that's all right you know we'll just keep recycling that hey if it's a good thing it's a good thing um okay so I wanted to kind of close just because I I think that there's there's such a conversation going on online in the moment about being real and authentic um and I think that you have um you've done such a great job as you've built your platform and your voice in and still being that for people that I just kind of wanted to get your two cents in terms of you know, what do you think about what people are talking about and how can people be more real if they, if they really want to be that in terms of online, even when, if they're still selling stuff, which is perhaps part of their business, which is a part of a lot of people's online businesses. Right. Yeah. So, um, I think that authenticity or being authentic is such a buzzword and it's a word kind of like minimalism that doesn't have, I mean, it has a a Webster dictionary definition, but we all create our own definitions of what that looks like. So what does it actually mean to be authentic? I mean, you could ask 10 people and you get 10 different answers, especially regarding social media, because some people think that means showing your house messy instead of clean. Some people think that means not wearing makeup instead of wearing makeup. Um, Some people think that means just only promoting products that you would actually use in your life. And all of those may or may may not be true, you know? So um, I think that it's tricky. 
I think that the conversation most recently, um, and you know, it's a conversation that's been happening for years, uh, is more about the root of it is more about comparison in social media. It's more about perfectionism. It has a lot more to do with the consumer, I think, than it does with the creator. And, um, and so we definitely see more of each other's lives on the day to day than in the history of humankind. We know what people are eating for breakfast. We know what they're wearing. We know what they're putting on their face for their makeup. We know, you know, where they're shopping. We know everything about everyone or where we think we do. And, um, and whatever we don't know, we assume. And, um, and then with social media also becoming a business, kind of like blogging, you know, you see this morph where blogging was originally just people sharing like a journal online to where now it's like multi-million dollar businesses are built on blogs. Um, people confuse the social with the media. And I don't think we've ever seen a, like a huge call out for traditional media. You know, actually, I was thinking how funny it is that like in a commercial where someone who's not an actor is used, they disclose that like this is an actual person, not an actor. But we assume that in social media that everyone is living their real life. And that's, you know, if it's media, that's not necessarily true. I think that there are people who still very much use social media for the social piece. And there's a lot of people who use social media for the media piece. And they're using it primarily as a business. They're not putting any personal or real or unstaged, uncurated information there because this is their business. And um, I think that it's good form to not always cross business and personal. You know, you'd never see a, a brand just like step out in their bathrobe, you know, for fun. Like there, there's business to this as well. So I think that the, the problem comes when the consumer is confused. We think that that person, that blogger, that influencer, that we don't know, we don't understand that this post is media and that post is social. We think that it's all the same. And, um, F, the FTA has some very specific standards and guidelines legally um, for the promotion of paid or unpaid merchandise that's being promoted. Now, whether or not influencers choose to use that hashtag ad, hashtag sponsored, or declare a partnership is up to them, but legally, they're supposed to. They're supposed yeah, or even use natural language. I actually, I have a free mini course on this on my website because it's a question I get so often that people are like, am I supposed to put a disclosure on or can I just use like the Instagram page? And I'm like, no, because the FTC has said like that might be okay, but is it clear to the person? Would it be clear to someone's like mom? Like right. if our moms or even our grandmas were on social media and they saw a post, would they understand that Tide is the one paying for this post that you just didn't? want to happen to talk about your laundry detergent today. Right, you know? right, exactly. So I think it's hard because there's some, the FTC has these really clear guidelines about that. And like I said, a lot of influencers choose to not use them still. I mean, they like, and it's not like people don't know about them. It's just, it's, a, it's up to people to choose, right? But there are not any, there's not any guidelines or governing body to regulate the unpaid sharing of your lifestyle. And um, there's no one to tell you that if you, um, you know, post about your donut, that it has to be the actual donut that you ate at nine o'clock this morning and not a donut that you took last week in a studio and photoshopped it and put, you know, and, and that's just the way that it is. So I think people have to, um, we as consumers need to take responsibility for what we're, what we're consuming. And I think, um, I think we do it 
pretty well in our regular lives. I think people are careful um, according to their own values and standards. People choose what to listen to. They choose what to watch on TV. They choose what movies to go to, what radio stations to listen to. And I think that we we forget that we should be applying some of those same filters, personal filters to the social media we consume. I always, again, I ask myself the question, what value is this person giving me? How is this making me feel? The same as I do as an influencer myself, sharing what value is this giving to other people? And um, if we, I wrote a blog post about this um, back in 2015. It's called something about four habits to, four habits for a positive social media experience. And, um, and one of them is to recognize the difference, the why, the why of who you're following. So maybe you're following that fashion blogger because you love her clothes and you love the, um, the style tips that she gives. So if that's the why, then don't take it personally and think, well, she is totally pulled together in every picture. Um, so that means that me in my pajamas at noon, that I'm a bad person because the why for her is that you like being inspired by her style. So allow her to inspire you and not take it personally, just like with the why for maybe your sister or your friend who is being, you know, they're not a business and they're not doing it for this, you know, promotion of anything that you can commiserate with them on other things. So, um, I, I think it's a tricky thing. Um, but I definitely, I mean, I'm, I'm on both sides of it because I've had days where I feel, um, you know, da bad or down, especially if you're already feeling emotionally low for some reason. I think social media is the worst place to go because you're you're already taking everything personally. Um, I also think that we need to be responsible though for our own for our own consumption and for um, especially as moms too, like the way that we teach our kids about social media and not letting them have free reign and and making sure that their social uh, or that their self esteem lies so far outside of um, those external you know, badges of honor that we like to give each other. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a tricky issue, isn't it? But, um, yeah, no, but I think I, but I, I like what you talked about in terms of, you know, putting the onus on the agent, you know, on the individual and I mean, just general increasing our media literacy and making sure that we're asking good questions about value, about what is this person selling? What's their why? Um, and is that in conformity with my own personal value systems? And if it's not, then maybe, you know, a discreet unfollow. Um, right. I, don't, I don't think that it's, it's a good idea to, I don't think you need to send direct messages and tell people that you hate <laughs> them or that you're making me depressed because I think that's, that's false logic right there. Totally. You know, if you listen to any of like bold new mom, you know, she, I love how honest she is when she talks about like, no one makes you feel anything. Um, yeah. and I tell my kids that all the time, but it's a false, you know, verbal trap that we get into or that people can make us feel anything. Um, you know, but we, 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 we decide what we want to feel and that should be liberating to people. Um, but sometimes it's right. Not. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess just one last point from the, I think that maybe the way that I define authentic, um, from an influencer standpoint is, um, being able to being willing to say no, if the collaboration is not a good fit for you. And I know that that's hard. And, um, I know it's hard because it still is hard. It's hard for me when I get an email that says, hey, we'd love to send you this free, this, that, or the other. Or even worse, we'd love to send you this free thing and pay you $1,000 to share about it. And it's not something that I, A, actually want, B, would ever actually use in my real life, or C, aligns with any of my values. Um, because it feels like, well, I don't know, maybe I could, you know, you could easily say, I'll just take it. It's 
I could fudge a picture. Like, let me just share it. Like I can hold it for this picture and I can get paid and then I'll move on. And, um, and I, I just, I feel like the authenticity piece for an influencer or a business owner comes when you say, you know that, thank you so much. And, um, I'm probably not the right fit for you. You know, I've never heard of your thing or it's not even something I'm interested. You know, I don't know. You know, obviously you're going to be, you're going to be kind about the way that you, but, um, but letting them know that it's not a good fit because it's, it's going to be a lose lose for both of you. Um, you'll get some money, but you'll definitely lose some, some, um, some of your story and what you're sharing. And, um, I don't know. So that, that's one that's been interesting for me. And especially, you know, this last year where we were not buying things for the year. Um, and my job is to promote, you know, businesses and products. Um, it was interesting to find ways and to still make it work. And I had one of the best years in a lot of ways. I had one of the best years that um, I've ever had on my blog. Um, because the partnerships that I formed were very in line with the things that I wanted to talk about. And, um, and that felt better than ever. So. Yeah. They were thoughtful. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every piece of that. So, well, that's, that's, uh, that's wonderful. And, and a testament to you, to your confidence in your business and your, you know, businesswoman acumen, but also in what you're representing and the value you're bringing to other people. So, um, I'm sure that comes out in your content and that's why people are following along all along that whole journey, you know, from, from nurse to master Shibori artist and everything in between. So, um, well, I, I just wanted to, to close, but thank you so much, Miranda, for being on. Um, if people want to know more about you and what you're working on, where can they find you? Um, I am often on Instagram at live free Miranda. Um, and a lot, I love Instagram stories. So that's where I hang out a lot. Um, and I'm on Pinterest as live free Miranda. I'm on Facebook as live free creative co um, my blog is livefreecreative.co, not .com, but livefreecreative.co. And that's where, um, you know, we, every, every week, um, or a couple times a week, I'm sharing something that I think will add value to your life. So that's, you can find me. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Miranda. It was great having you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Okay. Wasn't that just wonderful? I really appreciated having Miranda on and I loved our conversation that we had um, with the twists and turns, which honestly, I think kind of make the best interviews um, are really just listening to her and her experience. And as you can tell, she um, is a really wise woman in terms of the experiences that she has and how she's interpreted that and internalized them and used those as lessons to impact her life, um, her family life and her business to really try to live more creatively and more in tune with what um, she thinks will bring her the most happiness um, in all areas of her life. So really grateful that Miranda was on. If you are interested in some of um, some more of the information that she talked about, including the show notes, please go to the show note page. You'll see them here on your podcast player. You'll also see them in the episode page on my website. So if you go to Brittany Rattel, dot com slash 12 because this is episode 12 you'll find that um, I'll also have a freebie on there which is an extra kind of download with some of um, my favorite quotes from this episode as well as kind of some of the the work the exercises that Miranda suggested in terms of what you can do with your stuff so if you'd like that freebie kind of the episode upgrade please go to the website it'll be on brittanyrotel.com slash 12 I mean if you sign up for my newsletter which is a really awesome resource that I send out every week, um, then you can get that resource and you can hear from me and get tips. Um, like when we have episodes like this coming out and resources and stuff that can help your business with, for when you might be facing some sort of creative roadblock, 
Um, and I really try to make that email resource uh, useful for you because I, I respect that you're busy in time and your inbox is sacred. I get that. I totally get that. So I don't want to waste your time and energy. Um, but I've gotten really great feedback from everyone who's on it saying, I love this. This is hilarious. Thank you so much for sending this out. Um, so I, I, I don't, I wouldn't waste your time with it if I didn't think it was. That's all for today. If you like this episode, please leave me a review or a rating. I'd really appreciate that. And I hope that you feel the courage and conviction to live a more creative life, whatever that looks like for you. And especially to be a more creative and confident business owner, knowing that you can um, choose the path that you want your business to be on. You don't have to be stuck in that cycle of just doing what comes in the front door, that you're in the driver's seat truly. Um, and that if you can embrace that position, then I think you'll, you'll be happier this day and every day after that. Thanks so much. Bye.